This audio sermon is brought to you by the House of Intercessory Prayer Ministries. For more information, please visit www.hipm.org. On the Temple Builders series last week, we talked about a man behind building the Temple of God. His name is David. So we saw this man's attitude towards the work of God even after God rejected his proposal of building a temple. You know, we found out when God said to David that your son Solomon is going to build a temple, not you. God told him that it is good that you have a desire to build the temple of God. But unfortunately, it is not you, your son, is going to build the temple. But when God said this, this man had a great attitude towards the work of God. You know, he did a couple of things. When the moment God said, he gave the total control to his son Solomon. He was not holding anything back. The moment God said, he obeyed. And he reinforced the law. He told his son Solomon, it is important that you, not, you do not depart from the law of God. Whatever you do, doesn't matter. You need to stay within the law that God has given you. He also encouraged and motivated Solomon. Do not get afraid. Do not fear for anything. Move forward. And he gathered building materials for his son. You know, he was not just keeping quiet, thinking that, oh, I wanted to build a temple, but then God said, no, I'm not going to build a temple. Then how does it matter for me? No, he was not doing it. Instead, he was collecting all the materials for his son to build the temple. And he also asked everybody, the entire Israel, to come and help his son. So we talked about the good attitude, this man of God, as one of the early temple builders, he had towards the work of God. And today we are going to talk about another temple builder who built the first temple for God. His name is Solomon. The King Solomon was known for his wisdom, his wealth. And also his writings, you know, he wrote few books in the word of God, in the Bible. Solomon was the son of King David with Bathsheba, if you remember. Solomon had great military power. He in fact controlled the entire region of the western part of river Euphrates. So he had such a great king. People from surrounding nations, they all came to Solomon because they wanted to see the wisdom that he had. You know, the history says he composed 3,000 proverbs. He wrote 3,000 proverbs. And he composed around 1,000 songs. Now, he's, he's such a skillful man. More than that, God has given God's wisdom to this man of God. He wrote the songs of Solomon and the book of Proverbs and the book of Ecclesiastes. Can you ever imagine? The man, king, he wrote a book, quite a few books, and the, those books are placed in the word of God today. Today we consider that as the word of God. He was such a man of God, and he was also such a great king. The history says it took seven long years for him to construct the temple of God. In First Chronicles, let's turn to First Chronicles chapter 29. Verses 2, 16. First Chronicles, chapter 29. 
verses 2 to 6. First Chronicles 29. 2 to 6. So if you, you know, read these scriptures, it talks about how much it would have cost Solomon to build the temple of God. As these scriptures say, if you want to understand these scriptures in the current you know, exchange or the current currency, it cost Solomon close to three to six billion dollars to build the temple of God. At the time of the temple dedication, word of God says there are 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep were given as sacrifice. Can you imagine 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep given as sacrifice at the altar? You know, such a huge, magnificent temple for God, built with such a great expense, and he was a man of God who wanted to sacrifice for God. So we are talking about the temple builder by the name Solomon. As Solomon was dedicating his temple, he invited the whole nation and he celebrated the great ceremony of his temple dedication. You know, Solomon had a great heart for his people. I don't know whether you notice any time in the scriptures as we read. He had a great passion about people altogether. Because that's the reason he called the invited people of God to gather together as he was dedicating the temple for God. Solomon also had a great knowledge and wisdom. Not just the human wisdom. He had a wisdom from above. He had a great knowledge about who our God Almighty is. He was also a man of God. If you notice, the moment you will realize, he was a man of God who was standing in between people and God. He was a man who was standing in the gap between people and God. He was such a great man of God. And today we are trying to understand who Solomon was and what some of the good characteristics of Solomon. As Solomon was dedicating the temple for God, he made a very comprehensive prayer. This is generally known as Solomon's prayer. And I believe this prayer characterizes some of the good characters or abilities of this man of God. So today we are going to go through the prayer of Solomon in little details. We read that prayer of Solomon in 2nd Chronicles chapter 6 verses 12 to 42. 2nd Chronicles chapter 6 verses 12 to 42. You may not have time to read all the, the entire scripture. I'll just go through some of the scriptures. 2nd Chronicles chapter 6 verses 12 to 42. 2nd Chronicles verse, chapter 6 verse 12 says, Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands. Let's read that again. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands. Verse 13 says, For Solomon had made a bronze platform five cubits long, five cubits wide, and three cubits high, and set it in the midst of the court. And he stood on it, knelt down on his knees before all the assembly of Israel, and spread out his hands toward heaven. This prayer he is about to make has great significance. 
As at the end of the prayer, we are going to see, in a supernatural way, this prayer is going to impact the people of God there. In a supernatural way, people are brought down to the ground at the end of this prayer. You know, that's the reason I believe this prayer is an important prayer. Today we need to go through this prayer in detail to understand what kind of personality and what kind of man Solomon was. First of all, Solomon was a man of humility. So we see Solomon's humility in verses 12 and 13. Solomon stood before the altar in the presence of the assembly of Israel and he spread his hands. You know, Solomon, as he was dedicating the temple of God... He was not there even to enter into the temple, enter into the Holy of Holies. Because he knew that the Holy of Holies is only for the priest. And he was just a king. And he made it very clear that he would stay next to the altar. And if you see the Old Testament, the tabernacle, the altar, probably it is far away from the Holy of Holies. Where people will come, the congregation will come and they will sacrifice. It may be in the outer court. But in this mills, temple built by Solomon, the altar is just right there at the inner court, but it, 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 is, it is not closer to the Holy of Holies, where priests will enter. But Solomon was standing near the altar as he was dedicating the temple of God. He was humbling himself. He is just ordinary king. And there is something else he is doing. He is, his knees are bent. He was kneeling down and his hands were spread out. You know, this was the most common posture of in, the old, in the Old Testament days. Today, people you know, pray in different ways. Today, we see people standing and sitting, and you know, people walk around. There are different ways of praying. But in the Old Testament days, the traditional way is to spread out our hands towards heaven. And in that gesture, people ask God to bless them. When they do that, they are saying, God, I'm surrendering myself totally. I'm open for you to change my life. I'm ready to do anything. Solomon was making the prayer in that way. And in verse 14, if you can come with me, and he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven or on earth like you, who keep your covenant and mercy with your servants, who walk before you with all their hearts. All that Solomon is trying to tell here, he's telling God, Lord God, you are a unique God. You are not like other God and goddesses. There is no God like you in heaven and on this earth. You are a unique God. You are unique. Why? You are unique. You are a unique God because you keep your covenant. You are a unique God because you keep your covenant and you keep your mercy. You know, our God today is a unique God. Because he is a covenant keeping God. When God promises something to us, he will do it. How many of you believe here? Amen. When God promises something in our lives, he will do it. He is a covenant keeping God. He is a promise keeping God. And Solomon is telling God, Lord God, you are a unique God. There is no God in heaven on earth like you. Because you keep covenant and mercy with your servants who walk before you with all their hearts. And if you go further down, verse 15, he says, You have kept what you promised your servant David, my father. You have both spoken with your mouth and fulfilled it with your hand, as it is 
is this day. Therefore, Lord God of Israel, now keep what you promised your servant David, my father, saying, You shall not fail to have a man sit before me on the throne of Israel. You know, very interesting the way Solomon, the word of God is putting this. You know, this is what I could realize. What was the promise God has given to David? We read that in verses 8 to 10. If you can just come with me a couple of verses before. We read that in verse 18. Sorry, 8. Verse 8 says, Second Chronicles 6, 8. But the Lord said to my father David, Whereas it was in your heart to build a temple for my name, you did well in that it was in your heart. Nevertheless, you shall not build the temple, but your son who will come from your body, he shall build the temple for my name. That was the promise. The promise was that you will not build the temple for me, but instead your son will build the temple for you. That was the promise. Now verse 16 says, Therefore, and that promise was fulfilled on the day as they were dedicating the temple of God. Now, word of God is, Solomon is saying, Therefore, as part of his prayer, Lord, you promised and you kept your promise. And as that's what we see today as the temple being dedicated to you. Therefore, Lord God of Israel, now keep what you promised to your servant. You know, the way Solomon is praying there, Lord, you promised one thing and that has come true in my life. I'm seeing that I'm dedicating, dedicating the temple for you, but now I'm not satisfied Therefore, Lord God, you do something else in my life. You know, that was the approach of Solomon. He says, Lord, I'm not satisfied to see one promise in my life. I want to see many more things. Are we also not in that situation? You know, sometimes we think that, you know, God has done great things. Yesterday, that was a feeling when the church was completely filled. We, we got a feeling that, you know, God has done great things. But now today when we are here, we see empty chairs. Lord, we are not satisfied. We need more. Because you did that today, we believe that you will be able to do it for tomorrow. You will be able to continue to do it, Lord. You know, that is the belief. Solomon is praying that way, Lord, you fulfilled your promise. And I know that you will continue to do it, Lord. That was the approach of Solomon. He believed if God can help him to build the temple, he will certainly help him to establish his throne. You know, that was his prayer. He says, as you promised your servant David, my father, saying, you shall not fail to have a man sit before me on the throne of Israel. Lord God, never Israel will be captured by somebody else. You will always have a man of God sitting on the throne of Israel. That is your promise too. Lord, fulfill it, O God. Have you ever imagined, have you ever come across this one blessing leading to another? One miracle leading to another. Have you ever experienced in your life? I have experienced many times in my life. When I was in my 11th grade, we moved to a house behind where my wife, Joy's family was living. When I was in 11th grade. Her mother introduced, introduced our family to the nearby Assemblies of God Church. Before that, I didn't have any clue about who Holy Spirit was. I didn't have any clue about, you know, the gifts and the healing and all those, act all those things that God can perform. But when we were introduced to that church, God anointed me and we took water baptism and we were growing in the Lord. 
But never ever we thought that joy will be my life partner. Can you have you ever imagined one miracle leading into another the way God brought us and God led us into the spiritual realm. We never imagined that, you know, joy is going to come across in my life. So we never imagined. But then one miracle was leading into another. Exactly that's what Solomon was asking here there. Lord, you promised that if the temple will be built, the temple is built now. Now what is next? Therefore, the continuation from there, verse 16. Therefore, Lord God of Israel, remember the promise that you made to your servant David, that saying that you shall not fail to have a man sit before you in the throne of Israel. You know, Solomon's way of prayer, it's really attracting me to read further. You know, if you remember, as Jesus was ministering, Jesus was invited by Jairus as her, his daughter was dying. And as Jesus was about to go into the house of Jairus, who came on the way, the woman with the issue of blood, she came and he, she touched the hem of the garment. Jesus was about to do one miracle and one miracle is leading to another miracle. That's what exactly Solomon was expecting to happen in his life. God wants us to look out for miracles. If we have experienced something in your life, it tells us that we need to keep our eyes open that because God is about to do something else too. You know, many times we miss the second miracle because we are not very keen. We are not very keen. When God does one thing, you know, human nature is that we try to settle down there. We think that that's it. You know, that's the reason God has brought me here. That's, uh, you know, I'm just going to settle down here. But that's not true. God has brought us to for some other reason. One miracle leading to another miracle as we read in the life of Solomon here. Solomon prays, Lord. You promised that a temple will be built, but now it is built. And you also said, there will be a ruler always on the throne. That is also your promise. Lord God, keep that promise. Let's move further. Verse 18. Solomon knew that God is greater than the temple that he built. He says, but will God indeed dwell with men on the earth? Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple which I built. Now, if you read a couple of scriptures before our chapters prior to this, we get an idea that God is about to go live in this temple. We get a picture that you know God is building this temple because God is going to come down from heaven and he is going to live in this temple. You know, good that Solomon said this as part of his prayer. He said, it's very precisely, very, you know, with a great theological sense, he said that God cannot be contained in this temple. How much less this temple which I have built? How much less this temple which I have built? Solomon recognized that God is much, much greater than the temple he built. You know, at that moment as the dedication is going on, People look at the temple and the kind of offerings and sacrifices going around. People think that, you know, that's it. God Almighty is going to dwell in this place forever and ever. But then Solomon is making it very clear. How much less this temple, Lord God, when we consider who you are. Solomon was making it very clear. You are a mighty God. This temple which I have built cannot contain you. Solomon knew his God. Let's move further. I believe Solomon was a man who brought God 
among men. You know, the most important responsibility of a temple builder is to bring God among people, ordinary people like us. In the New Testament context, temple builder refers to you and me. We are the temple of God and also we are commissioned to build temples around us. All those people, those who are walking on the street, they are the temple of God. That's what the word of God says. Everyone who is living in the street, everyone who is living in sin, they are the temple of God. As you and, you, you and I are temple builders in the New Testament, God is also asking us to stand in the middle between people and God. If you read verses 19 to 21, we see Solomon is standing between men and God. Verse 19, It regard the prayer of your servant and his supplication, O Lord my God, and listen to the cry and the prayer which your servant is praying before you, that your eyes may be opened toward this temple day and night, toward the place where you said you would put your name that you may hear the prayer which your servant makes toward this place. And may your, you hear the supplications of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray toward this temple, hear from heaven your dwelling place. And when you hear, please forgive. Please forgive them. Look at the way this man of God is making the prayer. Isn't he not standing between man and God? You know, God is looking for somebody out there who will make this prayer. Lord, please forgive them. Was it not done by this? Was it not the same thing done by Jesus Christ as he was hanging at the cross? God is expecting you and I as temple builders today. When we want to build temple of God, we need to be among the people of God because then only we can bring God into the lives, into the lives of people, ordinary people like you and me. Here we see Solomon standing in between the men and God. I look at Solomon as a true intercessor. He was an intercessor. He was interceding for people here. And he says, Lord, whenever people look at the temple of God and whenever they pray, Lord God, please listen to their prayer and forgive their sins, O God. Temple is a sign of God's dwelling. Praying toward the temple is what we see here. If we can take you to the book of Daniel for a moment. As we know the story in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 6, verse 10 says, Daniel was sentenced to be thrown into the lion's den. And what this man of God did there? Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, did God listen to Daniel's prayer? Yes, he listened to Daniel's prayer. But before that, we never realized that there was an intercessor. There was an intercessor praying for Daniel years before, saying that, Lord, if someone out there looked to turn towards the temple in Jerusalem and cried out, Lord, please listen. Please listen. Intercession, intercession is very, very important today. You know, God can hear prayer, but God can answer. Certainly God can you know, open the door as the intercessors, they cry out. Solomon is crying out there, Lord, please listen to their cry. Please forgive their sins. Solomon knew very well 
the way sin can harm somebody. In verses 24 to 25 we read, Solomon knew that sin can bring defeat to the entire army. Verses 24 to 25 we read about it. Verse 24, if your people, people Israel are defeated before an enemy because they have sinned against you and return and confess your name and pray and make supplication before you in this temple, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin, Lord God. He was making prayer. He was interceding for his people. Solomon knew sin can bring great defeat for his entire army. And he was asking God, Lord God, please forgive their sins. Verses 26 to 27, Solomon knew that sin can even stop rain from heaven. Verses 26 to 27, you can read the scriptures later, I'm going a little fast. 26 to 27, word of God says, if their sins shut the heavens, if it is not raining, Lord God, when they come to you and confess their sins, and when they pray to you, Please open the doors of heaven, Lord, and pour. Verses 28 to 31, Solomon knew sin can bring famine and plague and pestilence on this earth. And Solomon was interceding. In verse 28, when there is famine in the land, pestilence or blight or mildew, locust, grasshoppers, when their enemies beseech them in the land of their cities, whatever plague or whatever sickness there is, Whenever pray, whenever people pray, whatever the people made supplication to you, Lord, let your eyes and ears be open toward them, O God, and forgive them, Lord. Solomon was interceding for them. And finally, in verses 36 to 39, we see Solomon also praying, Lord, if because of our sins, if we are taken as captives by some other nation, but Lord, when they turn toward you, towards you and when they pray to you, Lord, deliver them from the captivity. Deliver them from the captivity. Solomon knew very well the way sin can harm his nation. And he was praying to God, Lord, please forgive them. So we are talking about a temple builder who was standing between God and people. Finally, in verse 42, as he closes his prayer, he says, O Lord God, do not turn away the face of your anointed. Remember the mercies of your David, mercies of your servant David. Do not turn away the face of your anointed. Solomon is saying, how can you forsake the people of God? How, how can you forsake your people whom you have anointed? Lord God never turned them away. Psalm 34 5 says, Psalm 34 5. They looked to him and they were radiant. And their faces were not ashamed. That's what the word of God says. Here Solomon is praying for the anointed people of God. And he's saying, How can you turn them away, Lord? Please do not turn them away. Please do not turn them away, Lord. Please do not turn the face of your anointed. And also he's making one more prayer. He's saying. He's praying for a special favor. He's asking, remember the mercies of your servant David. If you remember what was the mercies of David, we talked about it a couple of weeks before. What was the mercy of servant David? We read that in 2 Samuel chapter 7 verse 8. 2 Samuel chapter 7 
verse 8. The sure mercies of David. God is speaking through prophet Nathan to David. And he is telling him, Now therefore thus shall you say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. That was the sure mercy of David. So here, when Solomon prays, he is saying, Lord God, do not turn away the face of your anointed, and also remember the mercies of your servant David. You know, today, if Spirit of God has anointed us, God doesn't put our face into shame. That's what the Word of God says. Those who looked at Him, their face became radiant. They will never be put to shame. This morning, God is reminding us, as Solomon was praying, God is reminding us that we are children of God. We are children of God. As Jesus said, all that the Father has given to me will come to me. And those who come to me, I will by no means cast out. I will not cast them out if they have come to me. Our God is a God who doesn't turn away from us. He's a God who lifts us up from the dust. And he makes us to sit along with the princess. We heard the testimony today. How God brings us from the dust to a higher level. He's a God of David. David, can you imagine? He was going behind the sheep. He was just going behind the sheep. All that he could talk to is the sheepfold. But God has lifted him up. And now as Solomon was praying, he was looking at his dad. And he was thinking about the way his dad was brought up. And he's referring that back to God and telling him, Lord, you are a God of David. And remember, Lord, your mercies that you showed upon your son. And this prayer, as I said, it has a supernatural impact. We are just going to read that now. The moment Solomon made this prayer, let's go to chapter 7, Second Chronicles. When Solomon had finished praying, word of God says, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. You know, when an intercessor stands between, a, between in the gap, between men and God, you know, that's what exactly happens. That's what exactly happens. Today, God is looking for temple builders to stand in the middle. When we pray as an intercessor, intercessor, that's what exactly happens. Fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Not only that, not only that people are so fascinated by seeing fire from coming from heaven, not only that verse 2 says, and the priest could not even enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. It was a simple prayer, but it has too much, so much in it. Verse 3, when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, for He is good, His mercy Induce forever. You know, that's what we need today. That's what we need today. If people who are living around us, people who are not really caring about Christ and the temple of God, if they need to come to the realization of God, they want there are people out there they want to see supernatural things happening. 
And when supernatural things happen as children of God, stand and intercede for this generation. Word of God says, they will come and bow down so that their faces, their forehead will touch the ground. And our God is a God who makes this happen. All that God is looking for today is temple builders. Can you and I be that man who can build temples around us? Hope you are blessed by this teaching. Please write to Pastor Balan Swami Nathan at balan at hipm.org. God bless you.